Hey, Blaze here again with another How I Learn series podcast. This one was recorded in March of 2012. The theme was How I Learned to Make the Grade, Stories of Education. And this is Mark Sam Rosenthal, who's a writer and producer at Comedy Central. He's also the writer and performer of the acclaimed solo show, I Light Up My Life, the Mark Sam celebrity autobiography. Um, now, this is a great story, and the uh, How I Learned series intern, Lyra Smith, said that what she learned from Mark Sam's story was that just because your favorite sweater in seventh grade is from J.C. Penney, that doesn't mean you shouldn't live up to your full potential. So true. Here we go. All right. Please welcome Mark Sam Rosenthal. Thanks, Blaze. Wow, this is like such a dark seedy little room. <laughs> I love it. It's a very, it reminds me of my youth. Um, uh, I actually, I was going to read a story, but um, first, I will, I will open with, uh, with some Holocaust uh, jokes. Um, because, actually, <laughs> those would be way funnier than anything in here. But, um, but Blaze reminded me, this is just like, I've never been able to do anything with this idea. I have a friend who works at Pixar. He's like, no. And, uh, um, but, okay, once years ago, this must have been like 97, 98, I was like, I'm from Baton Rouge, but I was living in Chicago. My friend was like from Chicago, living in Austin. And like once we were both driving like the you know, length of the country, and we met in Branson, Missouri for one night at a motel and got really high and came up with the next great Disney animated musical which uh, is called Zipporah, Princess of Auschwitz, <laughs> which is like horrible, <laughs> but it was so it was so funny because <laughs> like um, I mean you know how they always all the Disney animated musicals they've always got like a, a little animal that's their like confidant like there's like a crab or whatever in like Mermaid or something like that yeah Mermaid <laughs> like it's a Broadway show you know in Mermaid um, anyway but like. <laughs> And then this, in this, oh, in Sephora, oh, this is so awful, but it was like her headlights. Oh, God, so terrible. Okay, you can see why Pixar turned this down. But, um, but it was like Lousy was his name and like the whole thing. But there was like all these like Happy Meal tie-in toys, like a comb with no teeth and like a broken mirror, like all this like horrible. Okay, anyway, um, and that's how you warm a room up. <laughs> But I still love that idea. I actually wrote it a, 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 like a little sketch comedy version, like a little like four minute sketch of it once for this sketch group in San Francisco, and they were like, "You can't do that in San Francisco." <laughs> they were like, "Maybe in New York." Although I don't know, you laughed. Um, so anyway, okay. Um, so Zipporah, and but you know, don't steal it. Steal that idea. She had like a little song called Little Star. Oh my god. It's like, anyway. Um, that's good. I still I need to dig those notes back up. There may be something there. So anyway, I I'll tell I'll tell the story. It's I was gonna read it. Uh, you know, we have such a fun energy right now. I'll try not to bring it down too much by like blah 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 blah. Um so anyway, uh okay, so uh I love these new JCPenney ads with Ellen DeGeneres. 
Yeah, right? Woo! Give it up! Um, that's not on the page. <laughs> no, I love them because they are hilarious, and I have always been drawn to time travel. Um, but uh, they also remind me of my childhood when uh, we shopped only twice a year for clothes at Penny's. Um, it, and it was not that we were poor, although there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I always got the impression from my mother that we had whatever we had because we were thrifty. I, I went to a private school. It was called Episcopal High School of Baton Rouge. And uh, we had a nice house, but we drove Plymouths, not Porsches. And instead of polo by Ralph Lauren, I wore the polo shirts from J.C. Penney's, which instead of a polo player featured a scampering fox. <laughs> I wanted to fit in, but <laughs> since I didn't, I, uh, I adopted my mother's attitude that we were somehow better than everybody else um, because we didn't need those things that people don't really need anyway, which is true in essence, although we sort of backed into that theory. Um, or my mother did, and I followed suit. Uh, her opinion really mattered to me, and it really mattered to her as well. <laughs> she thought she was a better mother because she didn't buy us what she couldn't, and her friends were worse mothers because they bought their children what they shouldn't. It made sense to me. Um, anyway, in the seventh grade, I had this really fine sweatshirt from Penny's. It was navy blue with two reindeer on the, on the front. And they, they were like facing each other in like profile, like an Arctic bas relief. And they had a sort of a needlepoint effect, which I loved this sweatshirt. It fit me really well too. Um, and once uh, on, there was this non-uniform free dress day and in my Algebra One class, I was feeling very proud of my reindeer sweatshirt from Penny's. And I wanted to show it off to my teacher, Ms. Robinson. Now, our Ms. Robinson was about as far from Anne Bancroft as you could get. Um, and even had I been a heterosexual, the reindeer were your clue. Um, I don't think I would have had an adolescent crush on her. She was short, uh, with cheeks given to rosacea, and she talked through her nose in a way that would have been great for cartoon voiceover work, but would probably never seduce anyone. In short, she was a perfect Algebra One teacher. She said she thought my reindeer were very cute. I felt I needed to prove that one could be cute at a discount. Guess where I got it? She gave James Cash Pennies. <laughs> she cocked her eyebrow. Gee, Pennies isn't a place I, I think of when I think of nice clothes. Shame. Shame. From the core of my being. Out through my throat. She wasn't just questioning my taste, I, I thought, but my mother's, too. The whole marked-down Welt Anschauung that we shared, I felt broken. Broken by an even bigger nerd than I. I shouldn't even have been in Ms. Robinson's Algebra I class. Algebra I was a ninth grade class. I was only in the seventh grade. Two whole years ahead of most of my peers. 
Math wasn't even my thing. <laughs> Mermaid. <laughs> but I had tested, and along with some other really brainy seventh graders and a few less brainy but still brainy eighth graders, this is where they had put me, in a classroom on the first floor of Perkins Hall, the high school building modeled after a vast plantation house with columns and rooms opening outside to the wide double galleries that encircled the building. I would have preferred to stay in the middle school building, Pinneman Hall, where all the classrooms opened onto a central hall and we could stay in the air conditioning all day because the humidity was hell on my hair. Um, Going to Mrs. Robinson's Algebra One class in Perkins Hall set me and the other brainy kids apart. Definitely apart from the kids in regular seventh grade math, whatever that was, but also from the seventh graders in pre-algebra, who were ahead but not as far ahead as we were. My best friends Holden and Chris were in pre-algebra, and Holden was cool with me being in Algebra One, but Chris, Chris would tease me. He would wear his little real polo shirt on free dress days. He would ride home with his mother from school in their Jaguar, and he would tease me about being better than him in math. He teased me, in spite of his inferior mathematical ability, mathematically. <laughs> he didn't make fun of me. He made fun of Eric Jubin, who was a nice guy and would ultimately be our class valedictorian, but who was awkward, like all smart children. Eric was a dork. I was in Algebra 1 with Eric. Therefore, I was a dork. I think we call this the transitive property. <laughs> Whatever it was, it meant I was not with the cool kids in pre-algebra. And in the seventh grade, this felt nothing short of a Greek tragedy. Eventually, I brought my hurt and confusion, as I had not yet learned not to do, to my mother. <laughs> she took a deep breath, as mothers do, and she said the only thing she could think of to comfort me in my adolescent angst. Well, I'm just not sure anyone ought to be two years ahead of the track. It seems a bit extreme. <laughs> she went on. <laughs> the school shouldn't even be doing that. It's asking too much. We never had that back when I was in school. My mother had not gone to Episcopal. She had gone to Robert E. Lee Senior High School, home of the rebels, an iconoclastic term that clearly did not apply to her educational philosophy. <laughs> but never mind all that. The school was doing it. They were turning me into an outcast loser by offering advanced classes that fit my aptitude and challenged me, but that separated me from the norm. The norm. Like a marvelous asymptote. A line on a grid I might approach and curve toward, but never actually intersect, even if I kept curving toward it into infinity. <laughs> I did not actually remember the word asymptote <laughs> from my algebraic geometry. I had to look it up for this story. But certainly, the concept is one of such beautiful sadness that it has stayed with me since the second Reagan administration. <laughs> a curve almost but never quite meeting the line with which it so desperately wants to merge. It was the school that was wrong for putting me in a position to be teased. But I knew that was not the whole truth. 
it was also me. I was wrong for being smart and different enough to be put in that position. When I was five, I had been tested by a psychologist for the Parish Public Schools Gifted and Talented program. Um, the psychologist told my parents not only the obvious that yes, I was gifted and talented, <laughs> but also that I was probably a homosexual. <laughs> and my mother had ever after led me on a wild goose chase of misguided athletic endeavors <sighs> in a desperate attempt to ungay me. It wasn't that my mother hated gay people. She, she didn't, she doesn't. In fact, in the run-up to the 2004 election, she actually went downtown and changed her registration from Republican to Independent. <laughs> she didn't hate gay people, but she had one for a son. And despite what she said about us not needing to dress and drive like everybody else, she didn't actually want us to be so goddamn different either. She wanted a family that fit in. I didn't know that then. I didn't know anything except I was standing out and it was making everyone uncomfortable. Me, Chris Kiesel, my mother, I wanted to do something, but what? It was one of my early midlife crises. Perhaps I'll be invited back to share about others. <laughs> my friend Michelle was worried. She gave me a Hallmark card that said, do your best. No one can ask for more. <laughs> but what exactly did that mean? What was my best? And what is to be made of the savage beauty of the seventh grade? <laughs> A time when children tear each other to pieces over math placement, but also give each other Hallmark cards steeped in the deep faith of universal potential. Halfway through the year, I talked to Ms. Robinson after class. It was not a free dress day, so my discount reindeer was safely tucked away at home. I was wearing my uniform. I'm thinking of dropping down to pre-algebra. Why? That's too easy for you. But I, I'm just not sure anyone ought to be two years ahead of the track. It seems a bit extreme. <laughs> there was this weird silence while she looked at me kind of up and down. And then she said, is it? you that thinks that, or is it your mother? It's me. <laughs> but she had me. I just don't know if I can handle this class. But you're doing fine, she said. You know you can handle this class. I had an A plus after my first semester in Algebra one in the seventh grade. But the next semester, I dropped back to pre-algebra anyway with Holden and Chris and all the other people who were one, but not two years different. And I got to spend all day in the air conditioning in Peniman Hall, and my hair did better. <laughs> and I got the same A plus in pre-algebra that I'd had in Algebra One. and I joked around with Holden and Chris, and we made fun of Eric. But I sold myself short, and I knew it. I took one of my gifts, and I said, I don't want you because I'm in pain, and maybe it's your fault. Maybe if I were just less special, I'd be happier. But that's not true. Because the person who dropped back to pretend he was something less than he was was not me. He was not someone who was doing his best, as the Hallmark card had hoped. He was someone who was hiding in a bargain basement class like he hid in bargain basement clothes, screaming just a little too loud that nothing could make him happier. And he never could quite look Ms. Robinson in the eye when he finally got to Perkins Hall.
And that's my story. Mark Sam Rosenthal, everybody. The How I Learn series is created, produced, and hosted by Blaze Allison Kearsley. That's me. And the podcast was produced by Lyra Smith. Please check out howilearnseries.com for more information about the shows. Thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks to Happy Ending for hosting us every month. And um, that's it. Hope you enjoyed. <laughs>